In today's episode, the World Series is now set. Dodgers, Rays, East getting big wins over the weekend. We're also going to discuss the NFL Week 6 games, including the epic battle between Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Who came out on top? All that and more coming up on Sports Talk from the Crib. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Sports Talk from the Crib. I'm your host, Tanner Christian. Well, we had some great NFL games this past Sunday. World Series is now set. Dodgers, Rays, we're gonna, those are some of the topics we're going to get into. First topic, though, of the day is the World Series. The Rays came out on top. They're Saturday night with a big 4-2 win. They almost blew it, guys. I wanted them to... Sweep the Astros to this punch until get into those cheating Astros' face. And they let them have a Game 7. The first time that's happened since the Red Sox did it, and they came back from that 3-0 deficit back in 2014. And the Rays almost did it again. They're just the second team in the history of baseball to allow a Game 7 after leading 3-0. But they were able to escape that. I just can't explain I can't believe they almost blew it. I just can't believe they almost blew it. Morton was on the hill. He pitched shutout innings. They won the game 4-2. So they are in the World Series. They didn't choke. They came very close to doing so. But they did not choke. But a team that choked Sunday night, the Atlanta Braves. They led this series 3-1. Dodgers forced a game 7 behind, you know, and superb play of their offense. And Mookie Betts' defensive, this greatness in the field the last couple of games, propels them to win. They won Game 7 last night. The big 4-3 victory over the Braves. As you know, they collapsed. And the Dodgers did it without Clayton Kershaw. I think that's a big reason why, you know, the Dodgers won. They didn't put Clayton Kershaw out there on the mound for Game 7. They didn't do it. They didn't have him come in relief. They chose not to. Therefore, the Dodgers go on. It was Julio Urias who pitched three shutout innings to finish the game there. The Braves were up 3-2 going into the sixth inning. And pinch hitter Hernandez came up to bat, hit a home run, tying the game at 3-3. And then in the seventh inning, Cody Bellinger sends a rocket out the right field for a home run, man. That's what... It's pretty much settled the game there at four to three. He actually popped out his uh, shoulder out of his socket there doing this celebration, but he was able to be. It was okay. It seems like it's not going to bother him going forward or anything. We'll see about that. But big four three victory for the Dodgers and the Braves. They had some more mental lapses up there on the bases. More mental lapses. I think it was there in the fourth inning. Runners on second and third, no outs. And there's a sharp ground ball to the third baseman. The guy took off. Had a run down there going between third and home plate. Got him out. And it was a. And then they threw the guy out trying to go to third from second. And it get a double play and you're out of the inning. And that was this horrible base running. Think about that. That They had it all set up there. And that really cost them here at the end. 
that really cost him the game. That inning and that base horrible base running again by the Atlanta Braves. On top of all, they just collapse. I mean, let them back in the game series. I should say, being down three one, the Dodgers win three straight. They're on to their third World Series in four years. Let's see if they can capitalize on this. They brought in Mookie Betts. He's been a defensive. This out. He made another great play that night against the wall. Let's see what happens. Dodgers, Rays, the Dodgers have all that talent. Can they finally come together? And can Clayton Kershaw finally have a good outing here in the playoffs? In his career, he has one of the worst outings in MLB history every time he goes out there. So hopefully he can come together and give him two solid starts, give him a chance. That raised small ball, this bubble thing's fit perfect for him. I picking them to win it. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be a great series. I'm actually glad I ended up being a Dodgers and Rays. I can't wait for game one. All right, now let's hop into some football. One of the great games of the day, believe it or not. The Houston Texans, Tennessee Titans. Tennessee came out with a victory, 42-36 in overtime. For the Texans, Deshaun Watson, 28-37, 335 yards, four touchdowns. Will Fuller's been awesome. Six receptions, 123, and a touchdown. But those Tennessee Titans, talk about play. And if you see Derrick Henry coming at you, move. Get out the way. Because he is still... <laughs> the Texas defense looks so... They just didn't want to tackle him. They were scared to tackle this man, and I would be too. Because as soon as he gets the ball, he gets any kind of speed going for him, look out. He finished the day 22 carries, 212 yards, two touchdowns, and he included that 94-yard monster touchdown that he did there in the game. He also got the game-winning touchdown there in overtime from two yards out. So Derrick Henry is a beast. Do not mess with him. Ryan Tannehill playing well still. I can't believe what my eyes are seeing when I'm watching him play quarterback right now. 30 of 41, 364 yards, four touchdowns, and a pick. Did lose a fumble too, but man, this guy is playing lights out too. I gotta give him some credit. He is proving me wrong. It's Titans stay undefeated, and this running game keeps going like this. This team could be scary. Like I, I can't believe it. The AFC here, Tennessee Titans leading it, the entire AFC conference right now. It's amazing the way that team's playing, especially with they got AJ Brown came back this game. He's a beast. He's a great weapon to have there on the outside. Can catch anything thrown to him. He has breakaway speed as well. So this Tennessee Titan team is one to be reckoned with here. Now let's get into what happened and why this even was possible, though. Let's get into why this score was possible. The Houston Texans. They don't have my buddy, my pal, Bill O'Brien no more. Romeo Cornell Krum- Krum- <laughs> is the uh, interim coach. He's been there forever, too. The guy's got to be like 80 by now. But anyways, Romeo Cornell, what in the world are you doing? He doesn't care. He's probably out of coaching. He's probably never going to coach again after this year because he's going to be 
gone out of town there in Houston too. But man, the Houston Texans went up 36 to 29 with a minute 50 seconds left in the game. They scored a touchdown because they were up 30 to 29. They decide not to kick an extra point and go up eight. Not to kick an extra point. So they're going to go for the two-point conversion. And they missed it. So they tried to go up nine. And re- put the game completely out of reach. Now, mind you, you missed a two-point conversion. So you're still only up seven. If you kick the extra point, you're going up eight. I'd much rather take my chances for a team to go all the way down the field, the minute 50 seconds left, to get a touchdown and a two-point conversion. I will take my chances. If you could do that on my defense, then, heck, you deserve to win the game. I dare that to happen. I dare you to go down there and get a touchdown and a two-point conversion. Because the odds of that happening are slim to none. It most likely is not going to happen. But Romeo Cromwell, hey, Houston, Texas, they must want that high draft pick. Find a way to lose with the best player on the team, Deshaun Watson. The poor guy. So now what I think in my head is this. You have no faith in the team. You have no faith in your defense. And you're a defensive guy your whole entire life pretty much in football. Especially when they're in the Patriots. So, they march down the field, get a touchdown with about four seconds left. They hit Tannehill hits A.J. Brown in the corner of the end zone for a touchdown. But guess what? They don't have to go for two. They don't have to. They can just kick the extra point. We're in overtime. The coin toss comes. Titans win it. They had a big play there from Henry, a little swing pass to him. He took it up there, up the field. And eventually they get a two-yard game winning touchdown. And Houston never touches the ball. Deshaun Watson's pissed. He's like, man, this can't believe this is happening. You know, he knew it as soon as he missed the coin flip. He's like, it's game over. He knew the defense wasn't going to stop him. But I would much rather take my chances on my defense not being able to get a touchdown and two-point conversion. I will put my defense out there. And they, if the defense lets it up, then oh, well. I'm going to be pissed. And we must have one of the worst defenses in the NFL if that happens. But he made it easier. A touchdown, an extra point, got in overtime. What do you guys think about that call? Me? I frustrate my opinion about it. It's this typical Houston bad coaching. Romeo was there the whole time Bill O'Brien was there. Get him out of there. And for anyone that, you know, defends that call he made, you can get out of here too. <laughs> I just don't get it. I would never do it. I just would never, ever do that play call. And this, my goodness, as a Miami Dolphin fan, you're cheering because the Texans, you own the Texans' first-round pick and their second-rounder. So you just want them to keep losing so you get their pick. You can't lose. They have to win. Like, they have to win right now. So they don't get the giveaway such a top five pick or something. Oh my goodness, Houston, you still got problems. <laughs> All right, now I'm just going to give a quick rundown of some of the games yesterday before I get into a couple of the games I really want to talk about, like the Packers and Bucks, of course, and that Steelers-Browns game. We'll get into what happens about Baker Mayfield. 
But we're going to get some scores here. Atlanta beat the Minnesota Vikings 40-23. Julio Jones found the end zone twice. That's exciting. And the Falcons went up 20-0, and they didn't blow the lead, guys. They did not blow the lead this time. Maybe that fire at Dan Quinn, the fire in the GM. All of a sudden, they were able to hold on to the lead, and they held on to it in that fourth quarter. They didn't let the Vikings do much. 40-23. Jets, Dolphins. Jets put up that goose egg. Adam Gase is having another great year as a coach. They lose to the Dolphins. Dolphins drop 24 points on them. They're going to move to 3-3. Three three. The Jets are still winless. And uh, in the final drive there for Miami, Tua got some action, completed two of two of his passes for nine yards and got the first down. And that was the only third down conversion the Miami Dolphins had all game, despite having 24 points. So shout out there to Tua. He even came out there at the end of the game and just sat down there on the field, took it all in, called his parents, told him he had to play. It was a great thing for the kid. It's good to see him back out there. And he's going to get his chance soon. I believe he still may get another chance here and start sometime in point during this season. Also, the Giants got their first win against the Washington football team, 20-19. Washington went for two there at the end, missed it, sealing the win for the Giants. The Ravens survived a late push there by Philadelphia, and they won 30-28. The Bears and Nick Foles improved a 5-1, 23-16 win over the Carolina Panthers. The Niners beat the Rams 24-16. Jimmy G bounced back after that benching from the previous week. 23-33, 269 yards, and three touchdowns. Also, the Broncos go into New England and beat them 18-12 off six field goals. Not even scoring a touchdown. Colts fell behind early to the Bengals 21-0, but they come out with a victory 31-27. Phil Rivers ended up having his best game of the season, going 29 of 44 for 371, three touchdowns and a pick. And the Lions beat the Jaguars 34 to 16. Now, one of the games we want to talk about here is those Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield all up. You know, they were scoring all those points against Dallas and whatnot. Then they go into Pittsburgh, their rival, and they pretty much just lay an egg. 38 to 7. So the Pittsburgh Steelers are still undefeated there, along with the Tennessee Titans. Pittsburgh's played four of their five games at home. Browns now dropped a 4 and 2. Baker Mayfield, who ended up getting benched there in the second half, he was 10 of 18, 119 yards, a touchdown, and two picks, including Minka Fitzpatrick. Picking him off and returning for a touchdown there on the first drive of the game. And you knew it was all over there. You knew it was all over when that first happened. All of this hype with Cleveland. Oh my goodness, Cleveland bounced out. They're 4-1. They played crappy defenses and crappy teams. And Baker Mayfield, when he plays a great team, this is what happens. The Pittsburgh defense did a spectacular job. This is guys in their defense. Moving from cover three to cover one. This... It was making Baker think the pre-snap reads he would do was not what's going to be in the post-snap reads. They disguised their defense so well, and this made him miserable all day long. And I put a lot of it, some of it on the coach, put some of it, on, of course, on Baker. The run game, Nick Chubb's out, Cream Hunt's still there, but you got to establish a run game there in Cleveland for Baker to even be successful. 
because he gets happy feet. He's not a number one overall pick. Well, he is, but to me, he doesn't didn't deserve it because I don't view him as a number one QB in the league. He's going to be your average quarterback at best. He's going to show you flashes. When you target OBJ four times, four, for two catches and 25 yards, the guy is open pretty much every other play. Just lob the ball up to him. Four targets? Four targets. Four. OBJ and Jarvis Laney are good receivers. You got to get him the ball. You're going to target one of the best receivers still in the league four times. I guess your career is looking like a dumpster fire OBJ, and it shouldn't be. Send you to Cleveland to rot. And that is what's happening. He is in Cleveland right now rotting because Baker Mayfield is his quarterback. Now, Case Keem, the backup, isn't going to be any better. He got some action during the game. They threw him out there, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter whatsoever. OBJ, two catches for 25 yards against your division rival. It's not going to win you a game. And that's why you got blown out. And it's probably time. I mean, I would get. I just don't see Baker Mayfield being that quarterback. I don't see it. I don't see him being that franchise quarterback that you need to win games. Baltimore and Pittsburgh in that division are still going to always be one and two. It just. It's the way it's been for decades. It's the way it's been for as long as they've been. Exist as long as they existed. Cleveland, Browns, Baker Mayfield, it's over. It is over for Baker Mayfield. He's never going to be that franchise quarterback. I don't believe in him. The team certainly doesn't believe in him. Because you look at the body language and the whole entire offense, it is horrible. They know they don't have a chance with him throwing them the ball. And that's evident. In their body language, on the field, and on the sidelines, in the locker room, Baker Mayfield is not the answer because he's not accurate at all. And the Cleveland Browns are going to continue to struggle. They're going to be hovering around that 500 mark, a little bit lower by the end of the year, I think. Because Baltimore and Pittsburgh aren't going anywhere. Pittsburgh is now undefeated still. And you drop your second game. It's only going to get rougher. It's only going to get rougher. And that's how I feel about it. And that's how I feel about the whole Baker Mayfield thing. He's not a franchise quarterback. He's going to get you a few wins. He's having good games here and there. But he's not going to elevate your team and just elevate himself. The play breaks down. It's just, it's just like it's not there for him. And sucks. Sucks to be a Cleveland Brown fan right now. Because, yeah, you're 4-2. Don't hit the panic button yet, but I am. Because I think it's been a little bit of a fluke in the first you know, six games of the year. Now let's hop into that game I had circled on the calendar. I couldn't wait to watch. I was waiting all the way to 4 o'clock. Packers and Bucks. And it was a blowout. The Buccaneers blew out the Packers there at home. 38-10. 
And the Packers jumped out to that big 10-0 lead. It looked like it was going to be a shootout. Like I expected a shootout going to happen in this game. I expected a 38-35 game, not a 38-10 game. But the Packers jumped out to that big 10-0 lead there. Aaron Rodgers then threw picks on consecutive possessions. One was returned for a touchdown. And the Bucs ended up scoring 38 unanswered points. And I was just shocked. Aaron Rodgers, 16 of 35. 160 yards, two picks. Tom Brady, 17 of 27. 166 yards, two touchdowns. So the yards really wasn't there between both of them. Tom Brady may not have a spectacular game, but he had a decent game. And Gronk got in the end zone. He caught five catches for 78 yards, including the touchdown. Bucks are now 4-2. and two. Packers go to 4-1. and one. And the, one of the big stats to take away from this game, yes, Aaron Rodgers struggled. Yes, their Green Bay running game wasn't there yesterday. But one big takeaway. Check this out. When it came to sacks, Bucks five, Packers zero, turnovers, Packers two, Bucks zero, penalties, Packers had six for seventy-six yards, the Bucks zero, the Buccaneers finished the game. They didn't allow a sack, they didn't commit a turnover, and they didn't commit any penalties. Talk about an almost perfect game against the. Undefeated NFC team, the Green Bay Packers, to just shut everybody up. Like, that stat line there is amazing to me. Zero sacks allowed. Zero turnovers and zero penalties. Talk about a coach's dream. That is a coach's dream to come out of a game and say that. Come out and say, hey, we didn't commit a turnover today. We didn't commit any penalties. And we didn't let up any sacks. That's good. For an aging quarterback in Tom Brady, keep him on his feet. Look what happens. Decent game. Got a couple of touchdowns. Threw a touchdown to his old buddy there, Rob Gronkowski. So now he's getting back in the groove. We're almost about ready to hit that midway point. So we see the offense kind of gelling. But what about that defense? Can this defense be the answer? And if they advance into the playoffs once they get there. This defense right now is actually number one statistically in the league. Number one, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 282 yards are allowed per game. 217.7 pass, 64.3 rush. They're letting just about 20.3 points per game, which is a little higher than, say, like Baltimore and some other teams. But number one overall statistical defense. Devin White. And Levante David are monsters in the middle of the field there for the linebacker position. Devin White was all over the field. I have him doing that. Levante David got to Aaron Rodgers, you know, a time there. And this defense is just getting pressure. And their secondary is playing well. I love the linebacker play of Devin White and Levante David, like I said there. I just love that linebacker play that they're doing. I tell you what. This defense, they all come together and start grooving like this. You know, they picked off Aaron. Secondary picked Aaron Rodgers off twice, too. If they're getting a groove like this, this can be a very scary thing there in the NFC. For everybody out there in the NFC, this could be a very scary thing because I do think they have the personnel on both sides of the ball to go all the way. It's a matter of gelling and all coming together in the 
You know, this f- starting to flow a little bit better. And Tom Brady is going to start flowing a little better because they got everybody back on offense. Nobody's hurt. Like, O.J. Howard is, but that's your only injury. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you give Tom Brady a number one ranked defense and all he has to do is manage the game? Kind of like how, you know, his longtime rival there in Peyton Manning did with the Broncos at the end of his career? That defense was monster there with Von Miller and the gang? Hey, Peyton Manning, all you need to do is just call the right plays and manage the game a little bit better. And that's what he did. He toyed with the defense, managed the game, ran the clock when he needed to, made the plays when he needed to. This could be another version of that. Except we got Tom Brady down here in Tampa. And that defense, it's young too. Got some great young players out there making plays. If the defense come around, get pressure on the quarterback, secondary playing like they are right now, Tom Brady looks like he's in the same position was Peyton Manning there for the Broncos there. Looks like he may be in the same position. Only time will tell. But that's something. I I truly believe it. I truly believe that the Buccaneers are a threat. I knew they were a threat going into the year. And when they started gelling like this, they basically said, we're here. We're for real. Green Bay is not for real. And we are going to run this NFC. And that's going to do it for today's episode. I want to thank you all for joining me here on Sports Talk from the Crib with your favorite sports host, Tanner Christian. I appreciate the love you guys have given me lately. All of the messages, feedback, and whatnot. Remember to check out the official Instagram there. I feel the heat, ENT. Feel the heat, entertainment. And the official website there at feeltheheatentertainment.com. That's feeltheheatent.com for our latest sports and updates regarding the show. And we send a newsletter out there for you guys, for all you new subscribers. I appreciate it. We are back Monday through Friday on all streaming platforms. I appreciate the love. See you all tomorrow.